following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, Brian's riding solo, bringing you the Pac-12 preview as we continue our college football preview series. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Two Point Conversation. Yeah, we're back, but uh, it's not we, it's me, just Brian, like I said in the intro, uh, but thanks for coming back, honestly, guys, this is uh, it's a lot of fun that Matt's allowing uh, Tyler and I to do this, and uh, I'm happy to bring you another episode today uh, all about college football, or in this instance, uh, just about the Pac-12. So let's get into what the Pac-12 is. Well, it currently uh, is still the usual suspects. Uh, until UCLA and USC finally make their move to the Big Ten, which is not until 2025. So we get them for two more full seasons, and then they will be off to uh, join the Midwest. A very unique move. So now the Big Twelve or the Big Ten, or whatever you want to end up calling it, obviously far more than ten teams like it originally was. But you know you have teams all the way out. You got Maryland and Rutgers out there on the East Coast, and now you got you're pulling in uh, West Coasters, and then uh, the majority is all made up of the mid states. So, you know, a unique conference to say the least. But um, while while we're still uh, enjoying UCLA and uh, USC in the Pac-12, that is where we're not going to start today. Now, we got to go with the champs like we did last time. Uh, last week, we talked about my and Tyler's uh, Michigan Wolverines and how they won the Big Ten uh, championship. And uh, let's talk about the Utah Utes winning the Pac-12 championship last year, their first ever Pac-12 championship. A rugged team uh, head coach by Kyle Whitting- Whittingham. Uh, they're, he's got a pretty good coaching record over 17 years. Um it's it's impressive that he's he's built this career and not moved anywhere else. Uh, Seventeen years of being a head coach at Utah, uh, one hundred and forty four and seventy, you know, win to loss ratio. There, that is a uh, that's impressive. Um, and the Pac twelve is a, a competitive school. Uh, they haven't really dabbled in national championships as of late. No representations coming out of the Pac-12 as far as that goes. But needless to say, they give us plenty of legit NFL talent every year in the draft, and uh, especially when you're talking about the Utes and that defense. It's it's what brings um, it, it's what Utah is. It's what brings them to uh, be talked about as far as contenders in their own conferences and as far as maybe potential playoff contenders, you know, things those of those nature, um, you know, it's pac 12 is, is probably known a little more offensively than defense, but there's some, there's been some very talented defenses and none more than the uh, Utah Utes. So real quick, let's look at um, what they got going on for this season player wise. So, we uh, we don't get too deep into this stuff. It's tough to decide how deep 
you need to get into the depth chart. Because in all honesty, a lot of these guys, um, they're moving about so much now. There's so much fluency in the way players are moving from team to team, which I am totally fine with. I mean, you know, it's not a negative for me at all. It just makes it challenging for keeping up on players um, more than maybe in the past would have been. Because normally, even from just sending your letter of intent, you join that school and that's pretty much what you are. You, you know, you're in... Uh, your Utah Ute, you know, until you decide to graduate or enter the NFL draft. So, you know, but for uh, key losses, got to hit this first. Uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, cons- probably the best defensive player ever in program history, and uh, he's gonna go. He was a uh, consensus All American in 2021 after having 110 tackles for interceptions, and uh, he <laughs> in. Um, he ended up getting drafted. Um trying to think right now though when I'm blanking and it stinks. But uh it's fine. Um maybe I'll pull it up before the end of the episode, but maybe not. It's okay. Um but Devin Lloyd definitely um worthy of being drafted um in in the first part of the draft, you know, the first day. And um Mike Tafua, uh defensive end, uh a stalwart for Utah's defensive line. Um you know, he he led all of Pac-12, actually, last year uh, in sacks, nine-and-a-half sacks for Mike Tafua. So uh, I'll look at him, too. Uh, and then uh, Nick Ford, uh, the center, uh, was selected uh, as a three-time All-Pac-12 uh, player of the year. Um, you know, a very good honor to have, obviously. And they'll be tough. You know, anything up the middle is offensively, de- defensively. You know, you, you like to be as as strong there as you possibly can in any position because you know so much happens um from the middle of the field as far as you know uh how the line blocks you know as far as how they divide up who blocks who um you know it it's in the reading uh leverages you know for quarterbacks and stuff like that understanding the the coverages and where the leverage is being played you know it's if you can disrupt at that center position, you know the defense or defensive tackle. That battle there, it it's tough. If if you're constantly winning, it's very hard for an offense to be productive. And it's one of the main reasons that Utah's been so good defensively is that their defensive line and their linebackers are such uh, well coached, um, very skilled as far as understanding schemes and understanding how to um, leverage properly, and you know. Very talented, very athletic, so it's it's going to be tough to make up for those guys. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's there's some silver linings that ends up happening where a guy moves on, and then the next guy that comes in sometimes even better. But uh, I don't have any examples of that uh, this year. They had another good recruiting class as far as guys that are coming onto the team. Um, they got a couple of five star guys here, um, Lander Barton. Uh, linebacker of Salt Lake City, uh, a five-star guy. Nate Johnson, uh, quarterback uh, from Clovis, California, a five-star guy. And uh, Jalen Glover, running back from Lakeland, Florida. Pretty good steals um, to get those guys. You know, um, Lander Barton is a Salt Lake City, Utah resident. So, I mean, this, you know, he gets to stay home. That's cool. Uh, These other guys, I mean, you're stealing a guy uh, from Clovis, California, you know that basically in in the in the backyards of those three 
California schools, you know, it's you ne- you never want to lose a modest state like that and it happens, you know. You you're making a name for yourselves. You're you're the rising team. You're you're the ones with the the targets on your backs right now because of winning a championship. So, obviously you're going to get some heat, but uh and then you add on stuff like this, going in state and stealing, you know, that that hurts. Uh but got to do what you got to do and then uh you know, pulling a guy from Florida, it's it's always a positive to be able to get a guy out of the SEC. Um, territory. So it's smart recruiting going on. Um, a whole bunch of three stars after that. But th- those are the notable guys from the recruiting, recruiting class. Um, their key uh, stars kind of going forward in the season, I think um, we got their um, first team all pack 12 quarterback uh, coming back as he's the one that was actually um, in the championship. Uh, you got Cameron Rising, you know Cameron. Um, Cameron ended up throwing for around twenty five hundred yards. Says he uh, two thousand four hundred ninety three, uh, a twenty to five touchdown to interception ratio. So pretty good stuff out of him there. Uh, they also got Tavian Thomas coming back. Uh, they're running back, rushed for uh, eleven hundred yards, a uh, f- little over five yards of carry, twenty one touchdowns, and then. Um, uh, on the other side of the ball, the Clark Phillips the third, um, uh, regarded as one of the best corners um, that's going to be in this next draft class. So you know he's he's a pretty decent player to probably keep your eye on here. Um, trying to see if I got any height weight on him. Uh, shout out to uh, Athlon Sports by the way. Um, their college football preview magazine is pretty stellar. There's a lot of good ones out there actually. If you guys want to get more into this, just you know, go to your local store, pick up a magazine, and uh, do it old school. Because I, I think uh, I don't know, there's something different about having the printed word in front of you to pull off of. So uh, shout out to Athlon. Uh, anyways, uh, let's get in their rankings from last year. So uh, a uh, 36 points per game ended up being 14th nationally, second in the Pac-12. Pretty good for the Utes. Like I said, you already heard me say their defense is normally where they're at, and you know that's their claim to fame. But um, you know it was it was actually an offense this year that kind of really um, gave them that opportunity to win their their first Pac-12 championship. Uh, rushing on the year, they they averaged a little over two hundred, two hundred and sixteen. Uh, that was first in the Pac-12, thirteenth nationally. So very good rushing attack. Um, passing was it was okay, eighty uh, fourth. You ideally want to be a top 50 program. Um, those are the teams that, you know, not all of them, obviously. There's standouts from time to time of teams somehow having poor records but having a pretty good offense. But normally in college football where it goes is as long as your offense is home in top 50 um, as as a uh, yardage, especially yardage and points, um, I actually think that in a lot of ways, like points per game, isn't as good of a metric to judge as yards per game um, because obviously, I mean, it, it, you get a little tit for tat, but in my opinion, I, I think um, if you would have to take out any special teams, you'd have to take out any defensive scores um, to actually get the real metric out of that because you're talking about touchdown efficiency is what you're really talking about with um, how many points per game you score. You know, that's what you're really talking about. So, in a lot of ways, I, I like looking at the yards per game, and that just me, tells me that, or even passing yards per game, or you know, rushing yards per game. So 
those are the ones that break it down where I can tell how efficient you can be. And, you know, you pack 12 pretty solid. They're not obviously they're not the SEC. Maybe in some ways they're also not the Big 10, but still you know, respectable. So pretty good offense. Um they ended up total with uh 431 yards per game. That put them third in the Pac-12, but uh, here it is. They were 40th nationally. So, like I said, if you can be top 50, you can, you know, stay pretty consistent as far as a uh, contending program year to year. Defensively, you know, not their best effort. Um, Let up a little over 22 points per game, 22.6. Good for third in the Pac-12, 35th nationally. Um, They let up. Around uh, 120 yards per game on the ground. That's actually pretty good. Uh, ends up for being 19th. Uh, it's the passing game is where it hurt. So 222.3 yards per game. That's sixth in the Pac-12, 60th nationally. So a little standout there, a little outlier as far as consistent year-to-year production you normally see from Utah. That took a little hit there. So maybe another year of growth together with some younger guys, you know, getting their opportunity in that secondary. I like to keep an eye on. And uh, and see how they do. Um, schedule wise, pretty decent schedule. Obviously, you play who you play, but let's try and pick out some standouts. That's what we'll do. I'm only going to hit a few teams here for us. Um, being a solo show, uh, I'm, I'm, I you know might want to leave a little room on our next episode for Tyler to hop in and give a little uh, fill in on what his thoughts of the Pac-12 were. So, anyways, let's start off. Uh, first game, September third. They are playing Florida. Pretty good challenge up front. Um, I think I might still take Florida. I don't know. It's tough. I think they might. Obviously, we haven't got to an SEC preview. Uh, I, I think we'll probably do that last. We'll probably do that the week before the season kicks off, the 27th. Two weeks. We're on two weeks away, um, maybe a little less. So pretty exciting. But anyways, uh, to start off with Florida, great challenge at the start. Absolutely love it. Um so let's see how they do on that. Good test. Like I said, probably going to take Florida. Um, their first Pac-12 opponent is uh, Arizona State on the September 24th. So start off with one of uh, not as tough of a challenge. You know, it's the back end of the schedule. It's 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 playing Stanford and and at Oregon back to back weeks in November. That's that's where the meat of this uh, schedule is. You know what I mean? So. Very curious to see how they do this season coming off of a very impressive uh, overall record of, let's see here, what did they finish? 10-4, and 8-1, and 8-1 um, in the Pac-12. So, you know, good, good season. Anytime you win a championship, that's a fun year. So keep your eyes on the Utes. Let's go play the, the or look at the team they played. In the uh, Pac-12 championship, let's go to Oregon. Head over to Oregon, see what's going on with the Ducks. So here we are. It's uh, a new coach, Dan Lenning. Um, I have to look up what Dan Lenning came from. I'm not even sure. I don't know where he came from. Um, oh, he came over from Georgia. That's right. See, Athlon's got my back. Yeah, Georgia uh, obviously winning the national championship, dominating my Michigan uh, Wolverines in the playoffs, and then uh, having an impressive win over Alabama to boot. Uh, 
probably a good steal there. Don't know much about this guy. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot of reading on him. Um, proof will be in the pudding, you know. Uh, he, he takes over a team that for years has been the gadget team. That's, I mean, that's their thing. I mean, the, the Chip Kelly days, you know, um, even some of the guys that were left after Chip Kelly and still ran that high up-tempo spread multi-option offense, you know, a lot of trickeration, a lot of fun gadgety tricks. You know, that's what Oregon's been. And, and the uniforms, obviously, elite uniforms. I'm actually looking at one right now where it's like a white on white on white with a green feathers on a white helmet. It's gorgeous. Uh, I don't think they've ever put out a bad uniform. I think they're all fun. Uh, but, you know, some people like to hate. Hate, hates. So, so yeah. Um, good year last year. Just not good enough. They end up going 7-2 and two in the Pac-12. And, obviously, the 10-4 uh, and four record was good as well, you know. But they had a strong start to the season, and it all fell apart last year. It was rough to, rough, to, rough to kind of see. I mean, they had a lot of potential. You know, they had a lot of guys that were supposed to be putting them over the edge. I'm looking at you, Thibodeau. Um, it's tough. It's it's supposed to be your year. It was the whole time. And it ended up being, you know, one game short. Um, it was actually a pretty bad loss. It was 34-10, to 10, so it wasn't really close. Um Utah dominated them in a lot of ways. And now it's time for Oregon to pull themselves up off the map, new coach, fresh start, and see if they can put together something here. I think um, I think the loss of Thibodeau is tough, but at the same time, you know, you had him and you didn't do much with him to begin with. Uh, I, think, I think I'm going to learn a little more about this team uh, as I get into it. But, um, you know. I, I think the one player, as big of a name as he is, a lot of what I think Thibodeau represented, which was a, a culture that needed to be changed. You were letting lazy habits, I think. That's what came out about Thibodeau in the draft, at least. So maybe that's why this coaching change needed to happen, is happening. It did happen. You know, They're going to have to... Flip, flip the culture around. Get, get a, the the vibe of the team in the right place. I think that'll make the biggest difference. So let's handle more of the losses here. So like I said, it's Thibodeau. He's gone. Uh, Travis Dye, they're running back. Meh, a decent running back um, to leave. But um, he's he's off to USC. So you know it's tough when you lose a guy in conference like that. But like I said, I'm I'm for it. Let those guys do what they do. Uh, Verone McKinley the third, their safety, uh, nicknamed the general, I suppose. That's what I see here. Um, he was he was you know the the guy that kind of probably helped navigate everybody on the field, right? Linebackers often get the calls, but watch enough games of football, college or pros, whatever. You see the safeties constantly talking, moving dudes around. You know, they're, they're like, it, the linebackers get the calls and move majority of the defense. But, I mean, those uh, safeties are on top of those corners, you know. Communication constantly right up to the snap. So anytime you lose a safety, you got to have a, a, a good trusted guy to bring in after that because there's some responsibility that goes with the position. So let's see what they think about um, – what the, their depth chart looks there. Let's see here. We got uh, Brian Addison 
And uh, we got Steven. Oh, Steve Stevens. Nice. Who were the fourth Steve Stevens? Dang, you got some good names up there, Steve Stevensons. <laughs> Wh- who's your name? Oh, I'm Steve Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to name my son. Uh, what, like Bart? No, Steve Stevenson. The third. The fourth. I'm t- I'm having fun. <laughs> uh, I love names. We're, we're used to um, processing. If you listen to that, shout out um, on the Facebook page. If you listen to processing, it'll be fun. But anyways, um, first team all name. Steve Stevenson. That's that's fantastic. And the fact that there's he's the fourth, they love that name so much. They think the rhyming there is fun. Then they're just gonna keep rolling. He's gonna have a son, and he'll be the fifth, and so on and so forth. <sighs> love names. But anyways, maybe those guys are good additions. Maybe they can step up and help. Tough to say. Uh, I, I'm not too intimate with their depth. Obviously, the college football world is large like i've already stated and it's i do my best to keep up on some names but things are going to fall through the cracks guys you know a lot more than 32 teams out there so uh enough of that enough of the names let's get into the actual what the defense and the offense looked like from last year middle of the road offensively a lot of ways so uh finished third in the pac 12 42 uh in the nation for points per game with 31.4. Pretty good. Uh, you can make that work. 202 yards per game rushing. Fourth in the pack. 24 nationally. Uh, passing was pretty non-stellar. <laughs> 76 nationally. And seventh in the pack. 12 because they only averaged around 221 yards per game. It was not a great offense. Actually, they put them smack dab at 50. So they kind of like met the threshold, as I've been <laughs> referencing. I didn't plan that. I didn't look up that uh, ahead of time. Uh, but, yeah, there it is, 50th in the nation. Defense is not nearly um, as good. They ended up being 72nd nationally, uh, giving up almost 400 yards per game. Well, maybe not almost, but still 385.5 yards per game. That's a problem. Averaging 27 yards or 27 points per game, that's a problem. Both of those, you know, put you over the 70s, over 70th nationally. There's there's MAC teams that probably have better defensive rankings than these teams. Not to take shots at the MAC, but I mean, come on. Look at these recruits. Look at the guys they sent to the draft. Unacceptable. Probably a lot to do with what brings in, um, you know, Dan Lanning over from Georgia. So. We shall see. Um, but let's get into who they got rocking at their stars. Uh, Noah Sewell, Penny's younger brother, uh, is going to come in and uh, man this defense. He recorded uh, 114 tackles in 2021. That was 35 more than anyone else on Oregon's defense. Once again, probably a sign that it's not necessarily him being a superstar, but other guys not stepping up nearly as much as they should. We'll see. Uh, so the guy that was playing opposite of Thibodeau and now really kind of takes on Thibodeau's uh, lead role as a pass rusher is Brandon Dorless. Uh, Brandon is um, got pretty big shoes to fill. We'll, we'll see what kind of attitude he's got about it. Hopefully he's a positive in that. And then uh, 
uh, returning center, Alex Forsyth, is a guy that's brought up here in Athlaw. Uh An in-state product. Uh, missed some time with back problem last season, but uh, pretty good stalwart. You know, you heard me talk about already about you know the middle of your line, defensively, offensively. So important, so critical about having someone able to help with the blocking assignments, especially in college, especially in college. You say it all the time in the pros, they'll – You'll have a, a, a good center that helps a young quarterback, you know, make the line adjustments, pick up the blitzers, stuff like that. You know, they handle that. The centers handle all that stuff in the college world as, as, as long as the coach is handed out to them. I mean, some systems may not ask for it, uh, but if they do, you know, it falls on the center. You know, what quarterbacks, they got a lot going on too, but nearly uh, all the time it seems like it falls on the centers. So. I think uh, I think that's it about uh, Oregon, though. I think their chances of being a good team this year all depend on how quickly their culture can be. They were ten and four last year. It wouldn't shock me if if they got to a. Uh, I don't know. What, what do we think? Like a nine wins. You can't be less than nine wins. You know, you, you gotta you gotta be better than nine wins. Um. New coaches, you know, new philosophies, new voice, always a positive, uh, I think, to start. And then how quickly you win depends on how quickly everyone enjoys playing for you and how successful you are as a head coach. You know, players got to buy in. And uh, that's the next test uh, for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, now we will move over to a very popular team. I already mentioned on this episode once in a uh, financial mo- sense of moving for financial reasons. Let's go over to USC, uh, the sunny state of California. Um, USC being right there in L.A. has always brought big attention. But let's be honest, they haven't been that great <laughs> as of late. Still get the name recognition, though. Playing in uh, iconic stadiums, you know, the the Memorial Coliseum is, is iconic. Gorgeous place, a mecca in a lot of ways to go and visit. Um, I, I think USC, under new guidance of Lincoln Riley, coming over from Nebraska is fun. I don't know what it means for wins. He likes to talk a big talk. Um he had pretty good seasons in Nebraska. Nothing that made me buy in that he's a some rock star as a as a coach. No, I think I think he's uh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Got a lot of swag though. He he, he really likes to kind of pump himself up a little bit. Uh, he likes that. I mean, maybe LA is perfect for him. Maybe Lincoln, you know, didn't belong in uh, Oklahoma. It, it didn't work because he's the, he needs the, the lights. He needs the flash. I don't know. Don't know the guy, but uh, that's what it seems like from afar. Um, let's get into what their season was all about last year. Well, their uh, season last year was all about losing. 4-8 and eight on the year, 3-6 and six in the Pac-12. Not good. Uh, in fact, they finished out the season on a uh, four straight losses to Arizona State, UCLA, BYU and then at Cal, and you can't you can't be losing to those teams. Not you can't. It's oh, they lost sixty two 
to 33 to UCLA, that's not – you can't lose rivalry games like that. I know. I'm a Michigan fan. We've lost those games and those rivalries. <laughs> it's not fun, and it hurts, and you can't – you got to stop it. Uh, you got to find a way to stop it, and maybe that's Lincoln Riley. So new coach once again, just like we just talked about with Oregon. Uh, I think the keys here – uh, losses, obviously the first one that comes up is Drake London. Drake London, uh, actually, I think just may have got dinged up in preseason. We'll see. But uh, Drake London, draft pick for uh, Atlanta. Um, going to be tough to make up for his loss because, you know what, he was really good at his job. Uh, that offense was okay, but uh, he was when it was humming, he was a big part of it. And... Um, we got to make up for that, so uh, we'll see who steps up next. Uh, uh, three-year starter, Drake Jackson, linebacker, uh, already gone. And Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, replacing a quarterback. Uh, pretty decent player from time to time, that Keaton Slovis. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching him enough. It was fun. Um, let's see what he did last year. 2,000-yard passer, 11 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, pretty like a pretty good passer efficiency, sixty eight percent. But he doesn't really push the ball nearly as much as I, he probably should have. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of a talent loss um, roster there. It, it's that he hasn't probably had nearly as much talent as in years past. But now that the man Lincoln Riley's there making the big bucks, he'll definitely get some guys in. In fact. Uh, Got a five-star cornerback here, uh, Damani Jackson. Damani Jackson, a San Ana, Santa Ana, California resident, stays in-state. Perfect. Uh, how about another Santa Ana, California resident, a uh, Relique Brown running back, stays in-state. So doing a good job already of holding on to home turf. Got to do that. Big job of being your head coach is not just coaching. It's uh, recruiting. It's having that style, having that gift of gab. It's like being a car salesman. Got to sell people. You know, you got to impress parents. You got to impress potential agents. Yeah, I said it, guys. These guys got agents. All right, people didn't want to talk about it before. They have people around them, financial guys. You know, you're a big enough name, a big enough recruit. You'll get that. People will come find you. They're like. like hangers on, you know what I mean? There, there, there'll be people that are part of the committee. A lot of these guys have committees when they pick that hat up off that table. There's a lot of voices, a lot of you know, ideas, decisions being made by a lot of different pe- people. I mean, they're kids, right? These are kids that we're talking about. So, uh, I think that's the biggest part of all this is, um, I, I think us USC taking control of the PAC 12, if it happens, in the next few years, a lot of it will obviously come down to just better recruiting, you know, not losing nearly as many in-state prospects, um, developing players a little better, you know. It, it's a, There's a lot of hand-in-hand hand with that. So we'll see what they do going forward. Uh, last year, bad metrics all around. Um, 65th in the nation for scoring with 28.7 points per game. Uh, rushing, they were 80th with 145.6 yards per game. Not good. Uh, passing, 
298 yards per game, 17th nationally. That is good. Um, And then total yards per game, they actually end up 23rd. But those first two numbers of scoring and rushing to me probably tell me that it was a lot of inconsistency of being able to string any good series and then therefore any good games and therefore any good couple of games together. You know, it it was a lot of misconnections, I would imagine. You know, I wasn't, it's hard to catch a lot of West Coast. This is probably the, the least familiar conference I will ever cover. It's hard to catch a lot of these West Coast games. They're on super late at night, but uh, that you don't get called Pac-12 after dark for any for no reason. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know exactly all these reasons, but there's things you can read about, things you can pull out of the metrics to try and piece together what kind of season they had. Uh, it's the defense, <laughs> based on what I'm seeing right here. Averaging uh, 31.8 point yards per game given up, that's 103rd nationally. 100, 103rd nationally. Not good. Can't be that late. Um, I think um, I think that the, the, the rushing of 80th nationally and passing 89th nationally is actually kind of humorous in a lot of ways. Just because you, you, couldn't, you couldn't lean on anything. You, you couldn't lean on anything at all to keep them – um, from from being successful as an offense against you, you couldn't take anything away. It's it's a big goal of every coach that week is we we gotta try and take away what they do best, and they don't they didn't. Um, but now they got a new coach in to try and right this ship, and uh, he's gonna try and get uh, some of these players uh, to be the guys. So Caleb Williams. Transfers over uh, from the Sooners, and he may be the starter. I don't have any. I don't think I have any known knowledge that he is or is not the starter. But on the depth chart, it's him, and then it's uh, Miller Moss uh, who backed him up, or could be potentially backing him up, maybe. Maybe not. Uh, Travis Dye, running back, um, led Oregon. So he comes over from Oregon, right? We just talked about him. Uh, 1,200 yards rushing last year and um, around 400 yards receiving last year. Pretty good player. Uh, We'll see what he can do. And then uh, Kalen Bullock, uh, a freshman All-American, played three different positions in the secondary, uh, obviously coming back in the sophomore year, uh, hoping to to do – something to spark some kind of fight in that defense because that's maybe where a lot of it lies. Uh, Like I said, don't know these teams, definitely don't know these players that well. But as far as I can tell, uh, it's down to culture again, and uh, we'll see if this uh, can get rallied a bit. Uh, Let's stay in uh, L.A. and just go over and talk about some UCLA real quick. So UCLA is uh, super fun. To watch offensively, a lot of times they're uh, they got Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is in his fourth season or his fifth season, coming up on his fifth season, and uh, has a losing record at the school. But yeah, so you know we we know um, Chip Kelly from his Oregon days and what he can do as far as an offensive mind goes. I think this guy um, 
I think Chip Kelly has done as much for the league as uh, or the conference as anyone, um, bringing some recognition to other schools. UCLA doesn't ever get the the same kind of publicity. Now it does in in LA, but I think nationally. You don't normally think of UCLA as quickly as you would think of USC as far as winning national championships and programs. You know, I think I, I think they can be, but it's it's tough market right now in LA with a very good professional sports team plus USC getting uh, Lincoln Riley. They got all the hype. They got all the momentum uh, last year. Pac-12. Pretty good year uh, results for um, UCLA. They um, they were eight and four in the year, six and three in the Pac-12. Pretty good year for them. Not not too shabby. Um, maybe one more win. It, get us get us one more win out of that for this year. See some good growth. Uh, I think they have a good opportunity. I think UCLA will probably take a year, but we'll see. College coaches tend to be different. They they can sometimes hit the ground run and uh, turn a program around real quick. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think next year's uh, year of Chip Kelly um, with his offense returning, which was 12th nationally in scoring. It was 14th in rushing, passing not so great, 70th. Uh, total was 30, 31st in the nation, uh, averaging a little over 440 yards per game. Pretty good. Actually, really good. Uh, I would take that most years if I was a college football fan uh, of said team. Um, any team, really. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the defense was as expected. Uh, under Chip Kelly, defenses are normally more opportunistic under Chip Kelly than they are efficient as far as negating big-time plays and limiting yardage. Uh, they're much more of a uh, turnover differential, and that's actually something I should, I'm going to bring up for the first time now. They were plus seven in the turnover margin. So, like I said, uh, Chip Kelly def- defenses are typically like that. Uh, it's I don't know how he coaches it that way or if he chooses to coach it that way or it's just a byproduct of other things and how he decides to coach. But it's it's what I remember, when, especially in this time of Oregon. Just just big-time plays. Could have a, a horrible drive going. Teams inside the red zone. Seems like it's an inevitable touchdown. And someone comes up with uh, you know forced fumble and they get off to the races they go. So that's that's what I think they can do again. Um, but uh, I, I think they first got to do some replacing, obviously. So Greg Dolchich, um, tight end, first team All-Pac-12. Um, he's out. Um, going to miss him. Um, Otito Ogbanan, Obag- Abagnia, I'm sorry, um, defensive lineman. He gone out too. Got to replace him. And uh, I'm not going to try and say this one. I'm sorry. Um, last name is Knight. Uh, I guess I'll try. Quantrez, it's a very unique name, and I love it. First team all, all name, for sure. Quantrez, if I could actually pronounce it with confidence. Um, I think he's got a chance to be a, a good leader on the team. Um, led the team last year in tackles uh, and tackles for losses. So named to a second team all conference as well. Pretty good, pretty good. Um, player that, that had... Um, I'm sorry, he's leaving. 
I don't know why he said he's returning. He's leaving. Uh, so a pretty good player leaving. Um, and then uh, let's look at additions for these guys. Uh, we got Dorian Thompson, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson returning at quarterback. Uh, he's got 35 starts, and he led the uh, all of Pac-12 in efficiency, total offense and touchdowns, passing and rushing last season. And he's, by all accounts, the best player um, on that offense. Uh, but a close second is a very unique player to this kind of system that Chip Kelly typically has. But uh, Zach Charbonnet, Michigan transfer, has been flourishing under Chip Kelly. Uh, I thought Zach was going to enter the draft last year, decided to come back for one more year at the Bruins. I hope it pays off for him. Uh, a great player. Um, I, actually, one of the guys I'm looking forward to this year as far as draft class goes. I'm going to see where he stacks up in this draft class, which is which could be a pretty good class of running backs. We'll see. Uh, and then Stephen Blaylock's uh, strong safety. Um, you know, he's going to be back there and in, uh, in the safety position, trying to you know help the young guys along, keep the defense being not a walking doormat. <laughs> he just uh, their defense has not been good. So I think. They'll do it for today, though. I think that's where I'll cut it off. Um, I'm not trying to be weak, but uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not used to the single man thing, and uh, I'm doing the best I can here. But it, uh, I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Keep it short for you guys. Uh, come back tomorrow for another episode of Two Point. Uh, the Monday shows uh, are some of my favorite shows um, with Matt and uh andrew and good times so i'll be listening hope you're back listening and uh remember that uh the two-point conversation it's always good